I, uh, I, I want to switch gears to a very different topic, a very unsexy topic to talk about uh, amongst us as church leaders, but a very uh, timely uh, topic for us, at least in our context. And I've been, uh, I've been asked to talk about the poor and the addict. Uh, this, this talk will lean a little bit more on the side of addiction. And I just want to first off say off the bat that I don't consider myself or, or Donnie or any of us at One Harbor um, experts when it comes to addiction. We have made a lot of mistakes and made our way through the mud uh, of the last few years, but by God's grace, uh, we've been able to learn uh, a few things, and uh, we're starting to see some evidences of grace in this area uh, within our church, and so uh, it's been good. Uh, we, we've learned a lot um, uh, over the over the you know, the course of the last few years about pushing back uh, th- this darkness. And, and so if this is something um, that God is calling you to or that, man, this is maybe a, a, a skeleton in the closet of your community, but you just don't know what to do, uh, hopefully this can encourage you. That being said, for us, we had had enough. Um, You've probably heard us talk about it before. We live in this amazing coastal town, a small town of about 8,000, amazing place to live, amazing place to do ministry right by the sea. Um, But uh, yeah, just beneath the surface is a town that's riddled with uh, a heroin and an opioid epidemic. And uh, many of these people uh, and the families that were, that were affected by this were people that, that we served and loved alongside at the church each and every Sunday. And, uh, and so we, we finally said enough is enough, and uh, it was time to do something about what, um, what was being done. And it's worth saying that there's a, there's a time for, for education and, and planning. There's a time for praying and fasting. And I love conferences like this that we can learn uh, to do so. But there's a time in, in the life of many of your churches and the life of your uh, of your faith with Jesus when sometimes you just have to begin the work, amen? And uh, sometimes we just have to jump in uh, the, the alligator pit with the biggest stick we got and start slapping the ones closest to the boat. And, uh, and we can just trust God that if he's called us to do it, he's gonna grace us for it. And, uh, and so that, that was our story. We just said, man, something's gotta be done. Uh, the Calvary's not on the way. We, we are the Calvary. And uh, God, we just pray that you help us along the way, man. So, and so, uh, so I wanna talk really in two kind of two different parts. So a lot of you guys, just by show of hands, if you have ever uh, suffered from or have a family member or friend who have suffered from alcoholism or addiction, raise your hand. Yeah, everyone, right? That, that's, the same, that's the same in our context as well. Uh, our town, um, some, some of the, the small towns in, in our region um, are some of the worst in the nation per capita uh, for this issue. And so, uh, and so I want to talk really, one, for those who are not familiar with this, about uh, the, the condition of addiction. And then uh, I want to give us a, just a few handles of things that we've learned. Uh, one, one thing that we just want to say off the bat is addiction is just a symptom to a, a deeper wound of the heart. Um, people are more than just addicted. They are lost and without hope. Uh, at the core of every addict is a person that God loves and is fashioned in his likeness, in his, in his image, uh, but through the, the course of, of pain and trial in their life, they've turned to some things um, that were temporary fixes and now have led to uh, some, some daily dependencies. And uh, the real problem um, of addiction is really an identity problem. That's, that's what we've, we've come to learn. And uh, I've begun to work with dozens and, and dozens of people struggling with, with poverty and, and drug and alcohol addiction. I've learned that, that people don't ha- primarily have a drug problem. They, they have an identity problem. The, the, the real problem is they've, they, either they've forgotten or they've never been told about who they really are in Christ. 
and, uh, and the identity of the addict has been ruthlessly stripped from them. Um, and, and this is how addiction works. Right? Whether it's heroin or, or cocaine or, or, or even something like porn addiction or alcoholism, um, the enemy uses it to slowly break the will of a human being. And, and death of the will is slow and death of the soul is slow and the enemy takes his time. And, and let's just remember that, that the, the aim of our enemy is not just to inconvenience us. Uh, it's to destroy us. He, 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 he prowls around like a lion, the Bible says, looking for who he can destroy. And, and uh, he seeks to make us slaves. And even then, uh, he's not satisfied. He wants us then to, to take our lives. And, and nowhere do we see this on display, church, more than drug and alcohol addiction. And this is how it happens. One pain or trauma enters into the life uh, of, of someone that God has created. Um, this can be rooted from pain and dysfunction of our childhood, we know this, uh, or it can come from trauma later in life. Uh, oftentimes what I've learned, what doesn't heal gets handed down. And this can come in many different forms. And because of this, we turn to temporary and simple fixes for complex and deep problems. And uh, this, this plays out in lots of different ways, not always chemically. Uh, we can turn to work. I know a lot of pastors and leaders in the room, we can relate to this, right? We can fill our life with busyness and never address the real issues in our heart. We can turn to codependency. And, uh, and this is the story of so many. We, we, we go through so many relationships after relationships trying to, to fix the issue in our heart. But we realize that another broken and sinful person will never be the solution to the sin in our heart. And, uh, and, and for some people, this is where it ends, and uh, we, we have solutions that are a little bit more socially acceptable, but for so many, they then turn to substance. And, um, and, and, and it goes from there. Uh, but as we know, uh, turning to cheap and accessible drugs that may fix the, the pain in the beginning, it never, ever, ever stays there. Over time, what people run to as a solution is then the very thing they're trying to run from. And, uh, and chemical dependency um, and, and su uh, of substance abuse uh, begins to rule and lord over their life and lord over their money and lord over their resources. And, and it's once said, the chains of habit are often too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. And, uh, and it's in this moment, in my opinion, where the enemy does his most intricate work in the process of an addict's life. Uh, we now have a person that's trying to maintain his life and maintain his or her family, all the while trying to manage a problem that is now a part of their daily lives. And this is whenever it gets tough, because then they try to stop. And they realize, man, this is a, this is a cycle. And, and, and something that they thought they could just reverse easily is now starting to show them that this now is owning them. And something that they have gripped is now, is now gripping them. And and, uh, and this begins, this vicious cycle, and a lot of you guys know this and are, are aware of this, and that this oftentimes can last years and years trying to get over and over this cycle of trying to get clean, having false hope, falling back into it, trying to get clean, having false hope, falling back into it. And the enemy uses this to slowly weaken the will of a human being where they finally, after trying so many times, uh, they begin to identify as nothing more than a failure and a loser uh, that has the ability that can't get themselves out of the mess they're in. And then this leads to deep despair and oftentimes depression. And, uh, and guess what an addict does when they feel those things? 
they go right back to the very thing that they've medicated themselves with in the first place. And around and around the cycle goes. And, uh, and this process goes on for years. And, and this is oftentimes where we meet them. Uh, they're, they're broken, desperate, ashamed, lost, and hopeless. And they, they can't even look you in the face because their, their life is, is full of so much pain and so much shame. And, uh, and, and this, this is where we have found that we usually come into the picture. They, they come with their pockets turned out, all their resources spent, all their relationships burnt. Um, but, but as we've learned so beautifully, even from Matt earlier today, this is where God loves to begin a new start. And we can know even in the life of Samson, I was thinking in his darkest days, quite literally with his eyes gouged out, God still can do the work that he's called him to do. And so, uh, and so this, is, this, is where, this is where God oftentimes likes to turn the story around. And so, and so we've, we've, uh, we've spent the last few years uh, figuring out, yeah, what, what do we do this? How do we be faithful um, to this? And we can talk a long time uh, about the, the processes of addiction. Um, but I just want to give you a few handles of really, if this is something that your, your church is wanting to take on, if you're a church leader, if you just feel like, man, this is something in my community, I, I've wanted to, to do this for, yeah, for, for a long time, I just don't know how, it's a bear bigger than I know how to tackle, um, then we very much can relate to that. So yeah, one is you, you need to make a clear call that victory is possible. Make a clear call that victory is possible. The, the word must get out that someone is willing to fight alongside them. And, and, uh, and when vision increases, so does hope. And when hope cr- increases, a, a person begins to dream again about the life that they've long abandoned. And uh, addiction is not primarily overcome by learning to resist chemical dependency, but by rather a person realizing that they have something worth living for that is bigger than themselves. And this inspires people to begin again uh, on the journey towards sobriety. And so uh, for us, um, we begin to preach about it. We begin to speak about it, write about it, blog about it. We begin to post it on every social media platform that we had. Um, uh, uh, anytime we had a chance to work it into a sermon, not as an add-on at the end, but to show that man, we, we are here and, uh, and we want to help and uh, we, wanted that, we wanted that word to get out. In our context, we, we are blessed with, uh, yeah, this, this, this dynamic of a small town and word gets out quick. And, uh, and so we were, we were able to, uh, to be catalytic in, in that. And, uh, and so one is you have to have a, a, a clear call uh, that victory is possible. Two is you have to establish well-worn on-ramps to begin recovery. You have to establish well-worn on-ramps to, be, to begin recovery. The, the first step uh, of, of, a, of an addict becoming sober, someone struggling with um, addiction becoming sober is, is a, vital, uh, a vital moment in the process. Um, and it's good for people to know that many of the things that they think they're holding them back actually are, are pretty small giants to be slain. And so we started looking at, at um, how to overcome finance, financial issues, legal issues, relational issues, um, issues with kids and spouses. Uh, we've become good friends with, with probation officers, with, with judges, with attorneys, with police chiefs. Um, we, we have uh, started a fund uh, for us that, that just helps people with the, the initial financial um, yeah, burden of getting, getting involved. We, we've started to realize that, man, this, this, is, uh, this is something that affects way more than, than just the person. And so there's been so many um, small things that we've learned that people are, are, are thinking that they can't get help because they think 
think they have all this stuff, but really, uh, with a little bit of legwork and a little bit of hope, a lot of the stuff um, begins, begins to be something that we can push through. And so um, we, we, we've had to, to understand we had to educate ourselves. Uh, I, I recreationally used drugs in high school, but I never was an addict myself, um, and I was long removed from, uh, from that world. And so, man, we, we, we got a good education of uh, what drugs were in our area uh, and, and how it worked, of how drug dealers worked, of how, yeah, just, just the whole system. We, we immersed ourselves in it. And, uh, and it was a messy process at first, but we learned, man, this, this is something that we need to know. And so um, if it's something that you want to do, definitely educate yourself. Um, we had to vet partners with common DNA. Uh, at first, we, man, we were going to reinvent the wheel. Man, we're going to open the center. We're going to do the whole process ourselves. And, and uh, God actually cleared us, uh, you know, steered us to a path of, of partnering with another organization um, that had thought through this and was 10 years ahead of us. And they had common DNA and common, um, a common heart for us. And so by God's grace, we were able to, to raise some money and open a home uh, cl- close to us. And, and they now serve as a primary partner for us. And so, um, and that can look many different ways. I think for some of you, God will say, listen, uh, this is, this, you know, you're, you're going to open up something and you're going to help a few people. And, and some of you guys may be like us. You may have someone in the city that, sit, that carries common DNA that's already doing great work that you can partner, partner with. I've seen that happen successfully uh, in, in both ways. And so um, next up is we have to learn how to celebrate big and small wins. And this is something that we, we learned uh, a lot from, from other people uh, that had been doing it a lot longer than us. People have lived in darkness for so long that their eyes have begun to adjust. And they have to know that even the smallest flicker will light the whole room. And, and we celebrate every small win taken. One week sober, we celebrate it. One month sober, we celebrate it. When you hit big monuments in, in your sobriety, six month or one year, we want to celebrate you as best I can. We try to rally community group leaders around them to cook dinners. We try to rally as many people as we can. The bigger the pack, the stronger the push, Pete. And so uh, that we, uh, we, we, we try as best we can to cultivate an environment where this is not an isolated uh, thing that's being done in the back room of a church, but this is part of the very DNA that we want our people to carry forward to help the people around them. And I believe it sanctifies the church in, in a beautiful way. And so, um, yeah, and we, so we have to learn to, to celebrate uh, big wins and small wins. Small victories over time lead to larger victories and eventually to a life of sobriety. And, uh, and this requires committing to the long haul with people and seeing it through all the way. The, the fight to stay sober is just as big as the fight to get sober. And so for us, we commit to an 18-month program. We want to walk with them, encourage them, love them, uh, help them become a, a, a positive member of society. Um, and over the course of time, if they want to stay in our community after they get out of the program, man, we'll walk with them for life. And so, uh, yeah, we, we, we've just committed to the long haul. This is something that's not just going to fix itself overnight. It didn't get this way overnight. And so um, yeah, if it's a bear that you want to tackle, then, then lace up your boots because it's going to be a long haul. And so, uh, yeah, so learn to celebrate big and small wins. Also, uh, set clear expectations. Um, the, the expectations for both you and your church and the person in addiction need to, need to be set as clear as possible from the beginning. Uh, this, sets, this sets ourselves up for good accountability. And, uh, and yeah, we've, we've learned every kind of love, the, the encouraging kind and the tough kind. And, and both are needed. And so we have an initial meeting with people and we say, hey, listen, God's got a plan for your life. This doesn't define you. 
Uh, He's created you for more than this. Your identity is not in the fact that you are someone that continually uses. This is something that God, just like in John 9, Jesus said to the the blind man that God is going to use for glory in your life. And we encourage them for that. But we also, uh, we we really try as best we we can to set a clear expectation. In that, God is going to use you, but it's going to be tough. And you got some tough days ahead of you. And some days you're going to feel like giving up. And there's going to be some days when you feel like, man, what am I doing? But even in that, God's going to use it. And, and, so, uh, and so, yeah, we, we've just learned um, that the clearer the expectation up front, the more emotionally prepared they are for the sobriety journey. And so, um, yeah, next is, is commit to the family and not just the addict. Uh, we say this a lot, that the evils of addiction are, are a lot more like a bomb than a bullet. And uh, for what we have learned, there's about three to five to even 10 people around every person that we're dealing with that's also dealing with abandonment and manipulation. Uh, They've been lied to and stole from. Their families are are going through a lot as a result of someone being so so deeply uh, in this this issue. And so, um, yeah, so we try to walk as best we can with families. A, a, um, A mother trying to raise kids while dad is in rehab for two years and, and she's struggling while he's getting his life together is not a win. Uh, we we want to love her. We want to walk with her. We want to walk with the kids and try to pull her into discipleship. So when then dad comes home clean and she's going to be introducing herself to a brand new person that they're both the better off for it, right? So, and so we try to walk with the family as best we can. And we've made mistakes and it's tough and there's so many layers to it. Um, but, we, but we're just trusting God to continue showing us along the way. And the last thing I want to say is, is be bold to do what God has given you the ability to do, but be humble and faithful where you have no control. And uh, I know I'm speaking to a group of pastors and leaders, and, and, we, and we know this, but it's good to be reminded that we cannot change everyone. We can't even change our own heart. Only God can soften hearts and break chains free and open blind eyes and regenerate spirits. He's the only one that can bring people out of hopeless situations. And he can take a blind man that had had his eyes gouged out to to use him to take down the whole temple. And he can take people that's been living one way for a long time that have no hope and have lost all hope. And he can then begin something new in their life that will change not only them, but all the people around them. And so let's let's be faithful to that. Don't be timid to run after someone who is killing them themselves. But remember, uh, when doing so, don't do it in your own power. Uh, we, we, we talk about the story, the seven sons of Sceva a lot. Um, they, they ran in and, and, uh, and got, got, them, they got themselves and their clothes handed to them uh, on, on the way out. And so we try to keep that, keep that in mind. And so I'll close by saying this, God is in, in the work of radically, radically changing lives and bringing hope to dark and hopeless situations. And let's remember that wonders are still what he does that bodies are still being raised and giants are still being slain and let's partner together, amen.